If a player wants to write the backstory for their character's home village, that's cool, right? If, during session zero, they suggest that the world you're about to play in should have no magic at all, is that cool? What if they recommend that the villain of your campaign should be seeking revenge on another player's character? Players and DMs are always working together to tell a collaborative story, but it can be unclear where the line between DM agency and player agency should be drawn. We discuss this and more this week on Dungeons and Tangents. I'm Robert. I'm Eric. I'm Ben. And today we're going to discuss what it is that players can and can't do when it comes to contributing to the gaming world or the world that you are playing in in a D&D game. So just to start this off, when I'm a GM, especially when I'm creating a world of my own, when I'm uh, doing all homebrew material, I'm creating a lot of material, NPCs, maps, the political alliances between um, factions, the backstories of people and places and things and creatures and blah. It just it goes on and on. And I have this huge task in my hands. And any GM who's trying to do that does. Um, so anytime a player can contribute, I'm always like, hell yeah. So my first question is, where is the delineation between what the GM owns and what the players own? I think that is a that is a contract between the player and the GM before the game starts, for the most part. Or, you know, if you've been playing with those people in the first place, then you kind of know where that line ends. Hmm. But, I mean, if we're just talking about D&D, I think it's clearer than than other game systems where that line ends. Well, what, well okay, so in D&D, my understanding is DM owns the world and everything up to uh, every creature and ev- everything other than the characters that the players are playing. As far as what? As them, far as... Them make- existing, their background, where they came from... Uh, whether they know the player characters or not, like yeah, there's a whole lot of variables in yeah. there. <laughs> and and it's see, I don't know the answer. Like I don't know where the where the line is. I just assume in my head that as GM, I have to I have to figure it all out. I have to know everything other than the decisions that the players are going to make at the playing table. But I'm pretty sure that's not always true or that doesn't have to be true yeah i think that entirely depends on the dm and players and how they want to play uh i would say that most dms i've played with are are more eager to hand the reins over a little bit (laughs) as far as like what they want the player like they would rather the players be more engaged in participating and writing the story for them and with the the since I've never actually run a game of D and D, I've only run a game of uh, Fate. But um, 
in that case, I'm I'm definitely that kind of DM, and which is why I ran Fate in the first place. Is I want uh, the players to do just as much work as I do. I just have a basic plot, uh, and anything that happens in between, like half the time or more, they're talking, and I'm saying, "Oh, so uh, how do you know this guy?" or Oh, uh, so how do you attack this guy? What do you do? So you're more of a facilitator of the mechanics and less of a... Yeah, of exactly. A, less of a owner of all of the material and all of the lore and knowledge of everything that isn't the player or yeah. the characters that the players are playing. Yeah, which isn't That's, to say that I'm not, you know, like... Uh, I can't still surprise the players with information that that they don't know and that I just like drop on them but I'm not doing it uh, like maliciously or anything I'm doing it as a surprise as something neat for them to find out like there's still lots of mystery in the game even though the players have a bunch of control so I'm gonna I'm gonna flip this to Robert because I know Robert has you have a almost a fear of stepping on not almost a fear it is a fear of stepping on the DM's toes right it depends. Um, it's something that I struggled with a lot when I first started playing, and it wasn't until I'd been playing for a long time and I had a, a DM who actually asked me to create some stuff. He asked all of us to create some stuff for our characters that I started to feel like, oh, well, maybe this isn't appropriate. It felt like almost taboo to me. Like that was I was breaking an unwritten rule to try and dictate some of the world. And it had never occurred to me that, well, no. I mean, we, we're trying to collaborate here. Um, but th- that was also a very large and lengthy campaign. Hmm. And I think that it's going to think that it's a very good point and Ben's right that it's going to depend on the DM and the players, but it's also going to depend on the campaign. If you've got, let's say, like a, a one-off campaign that you want to do in a very tight narrative, you might not have a whole lot of room or not, might not get a whole lot of payoff to contribute a lot as a player because hmm. it's going to be done in six hours and that's it, right? And then DM has a very specific story they want to tell. True. Um, doesn't mean it's inappropriate. Just mean it, you may not want to really do it then, you know. As opposed to if you're going to play a campaign for two years, you want a really rich, kind of engaging story with a setting and all that. I would say that's the perfect time for players. Like, oh, you know, how about I'm from here and we have these traditions and there's all of this stuff. And it's a great time to really enrich things because that's a big lift for one person to, you know, imagineer for an entire world. Um, and it also depends on, you know, how new are the players? How new is a DM? A new DM might not really know how to incorporate player input or might not be comfortable with it. Or a new DM might be way more comfortable with it than somebody who's been running games for 20 years. And it's like, no, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I don't need your help, you know? And it might be harder for that person to get used to the idea of incorporating player ideas. But... If you have a good player who wants to contribute, that means they want to be engaged. That means they're really motivated. They're eager. And that's something mm-hmm. that I would really encourage people to foster in their players because it means that they're going to be at your table. Well, they're going to be at somebody's table for a long time. <laughs> if you're a shitty DM, it might not be your table, but uh, they, they want to be there. And that's really cool. That's something that you want to, you want to help grow. You know, I struggle personally with the... The fact that, oh, somebody, somebody has said this before, that if you're going to be a DM who's going to write your players into a corner and write, write your story on rails, just go write a story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I struggle with that because I haven't experienced enough of the characters pulling the story away from me to know how to, what happens when that happens. Can everything go off the rails and I lose complete control? And I think any newer DM is going to fear that losing control if the characters if, or if the players say, hey, I want to start trade routes between this place and this place and let's see what happens if I, um, if I try to take over this, this land because now I've amassed a small army and uh, I don't know. Did- so, I mean... I don't again I don't have much DM experience but my tactic was always like I had a basic plot that I that I was hoping that they would follow if they went completely off rails and that's what they wanted to do then I let them follow it but there were a handful of times where they did stuff that I was like oh, this is going to get real sidetracked and then but instead all I did was like go like oh well they made this decision so now this is going to change in the future but uh it doesn't completely uh, dislodge us from the main plot point. So, like, uh, this this thing that a lot of people tell everyone to read who's going to run a fake game uh, is it's called, like, the Book of Hans, where it is basically trying to uh, explain how to rework your brain if you've been trying to play, like, a game like D&D, where uh, there's less free reign. Um and it's like a super important part of it is which i mean i guess a lot of dms who play D might already be doing but like you should think of your world as something that's where everything is happening regardless of whether your players are in it or not so mm-hmm. and it made a point to say like at the end of each session like take in everything that your players did how did that affect everybody else in your world <laughs> so then like it, it might change what everybody does so that's those that specifically happened in the game that i was playing i was like oh i didn't expect them to do this well instead of this happening now this character is gonna be a much bigger part of hmm. something where he was just like a random npc that i just made up that was supposed to be completely like negligible to the overall story they just like completely didn't investigate a huge side plot and I was like, oh, I'll just throw it in their face now because they did this thing to this guy. <laughs> I'm trying to... Th- I know I've experienced exactly that where the players come up with something that closes some doors and opens others. Like, it, some, but, sometimes but you... Like, I feel like that is making me, like, railroad them, but at the same well, time, it's not like they didn't affect the world. Is it you railroading them or is it you reusing... The content that you already had pre-written, yeah. but putting it in a different place in the story so that it looks like they drove themselves to that, mm-hmm. hopefully. <laughs> I, I think a common concern or fear is that if you let your players contribute or craft content for your world, you're giving up control of your world. Yeah. And that's not really the case. I mean, it, it could be. Well, you can't just handle it. I mean, it. technically you are. If, if, if Ben decides he's going to create a whole village and the backstory of this village and put it on the map and have you know some major politician and say that that politician is connected to people I have in my story line you have in fact stepped on my toes in a way but why not 
like why not <laughs> yeah i mean if if anything i feel like it that's adding to the story as long as it's not like completely against like you could and like it should be a collaborative experience of storytelling like if i say i want to do that and you say oh well like people of this place wouldn't really act this way how about we do this instead right so like we're still kind of collaborating and making it work even if it's completely against what you had anticipated being with and so long as it's not like so long as your contributions aren't somehow making the game more, f- quote, more fun for you and less fun for other players. Yeah, it's only not game-breaking. Yeah, which I'm sure that can happen, but that's the, like, it's the job of the G- DM. If the players are going to contribute more material, then the DM's job kind of shifts from being moderator and story, um, like, essentially storyteller to moderator of the rules and like judge over what content gets considered canon. Well, let's say somebody like to your example wants to open up trade routes between one town and the next idea being, okay, I'm going to make a bunch of money and uh, build a mansion and all that. And it's like, okay, well that sounds good. Might not be a whole lot of fun for the other players at the table, but like, <laughs> right. I'm not going to say no, right? And then you know, you do 20 minutes of role play, and then two weeks into the trade route, bandits start robbing everything along that trade route. <laughs> well, now you've got an adventure hook for the whole party to go and investigate. It's fun uh, for the true. party, right? You've reined in that that one kind of plot point that was that might have been overshadowing everything else for the rest of the team, but you've let them pursue what they wanted to do. You added some flavor to it, and you've turned it into something that the whole party and the whole player group can engage in however at the same time if that same character keeps trying to do shit like that like oh i just want to live a normal life then they probably should just make a new character (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i think it's okay for people to to want to have like a nice house in the suburbs of Baldur's gate (laughs) dnd sims yeah sure but you gotta you gotta you gotta make make it something interesting but, for everybody if they well, just, yeah if they just keep trying to go lone wolf side plotting to then yeah, that's not going to work well, well no. a, i think it's a different issue to yeah address yeah but but if they're contribute like uh i mean th- this is <laughs> we're talking about something that actually happened in one of my games so uh eric mckellis eric mm-hmm. he said hey can i establish trade routes between uh was it baldur's gate and uh candle keep and robert's suggestion that that sure i should have let him do that and then he could start working that trade route as a side thing he's having a little more fun he's more engaged Mm -hmm. in the game than he was before and then uh making the banditry thing come in and now everybody's engaged and while he's kind of like he he gets kind of credit for having created the whole problem to begin with um everybody gets to benefit from there being a little side quest and if and they can all be like fuck this this trade route is such a pain we have other bigger fish to fry mm-hmm. you create conflict which is good conflict <laughs> between the characters that's a real entrepreneurial half-work barbarian yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's from a merchant family of humans <laughs> That married into the I don't know. <laughs> Keep an open mind, Ben. Yeah, yeah, I shouldn't stereotype. Yeah. Um 
I have, I have wait. What's, I what's apologize my... to all those half work bar- barbarians out there. Um. So, how how do I, as a GM, encourage players to do this sort of thing? Just give them the option. Yeah. Some some so, players will want to. Some might need have like like for what happened to me. I had to be kind of like pulled out of me. Like I was I was really hesitant to do. It. I wanted to do it, but I didn't know if it was appropriate. When I actually did it, I had a bunch of fun. So, Eric, what? Have you read any of uh, Dungeon World? No. You should You should definitely do that. Why? Because it m- will very much help address uh, this problem. Really? There are, there are rules in Dungeon World specifically for, like, like character action specifically for characters creating lore. Oh, that's cool. So, like, they'll roll, like, in uh, what, whatever the equivalent of... Of like an intelligence check or whatever is, and they will get to say so much about a thing, or they'll. Oh, that's cool. Or if they roll well enough, then they'll say like, "Hey, like you have to give me like useful information about this thing." So like it could be you or them creating information up on the fly about a thing that didn't previously exist. So like, um, let's say, like <clears throat> it's 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 liter- the move is literally called like spout lore. <laughs> Spout lore. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's say um, your party is in like some tomb and they find uh, a, an old like casket of some something. Somebody can roll an intelligence checker or an insight or a something or a knowledge history of some sort, and if they roll high enough, they get to come up with all the history and backstory of what's in front of them? Uh, well, not like all of it, but they get to spout something that would be useful to them like oh. immediately if they roll well enough. Um, Interesting. So, and a whole, like, pretty much all of the actions that you do is something that you like, they leave it somewhat open for interpretation for you to describe. It like... I don't know. You should definitely read it, though. <laughs> okay. And I guess anybody who's listening should uh, apparently read Dungeon World? Yeah, it's a... it's a Who wrote that? It's uh, Adam Koble is one oh, of it's the him. co-creators. The, 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 the colorful-haired one. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, but it's a hack that is um, a game that's powered by the Apocalypse, which is... Apocalypse World is a is like a game setting where there's a bunch of like monster hearts is a is an equivalent to it where you're like teen monsters that it basically like turns into a dramedy sitcom uh, and love triangles <laughs> and stuff like is, there's all sorts of different games it was originally just like a post-apocalyptic game hmm. um, but there's all sorts of different settings for it and the there's less character customization than there is in like D and D. It's basically <clears throat> like choosing from a list of feats hmm. when you level up. Um, but it, there's a whole lot more involvement with the players than there is in D and D, and like it's specifically built into the rules that way. I guess that I mean that's a sort of a segue to the topic of other. Other games other than D&D are built around, can be built around player contribution to world. 
like fate and you, so is dungeon world all about that as well or is it is fate more uh i think fate is more open-ended in general uh but i think dungeon world is probably somewhere in between fate and okay uh, D. so what i know about fate is i bought the book and i read about 20 to 30 pages of it uh-huh. and i was like i don't know how to run this <laughs> yet uh I feel like it's, I should... It's very different from D&D. Right. And like page 15 or so, it says, your world building session, when you get together with your players and everyone builds the world together. Yeah, and, and I was you, like, oh shit, that's kind of cool. Yeah. And you don't have to do it that way, but like that's heavily encouraged because a huge point of like of creating characters is that you are creating characters that are relevant to the world and to the story and if you're just making them without anybody else, then like right. more likely than not, they're not. They're, you're going to end up having to change them and like completely well, rewrite them later. And that happens in D and D all the time. That like we're going to play tomorrow. I have no idea what you guys are coming up with. Yeah. And you don't know what one another is coming up with. Not not a lot. Yeah. And so you got five people sitting down at a table together to try to figure out, try to come to a consensus about the world that the world and the story that you're about to play but you haven't done anything beforehand to be like well we're going to be playing in uh like a world that's like narnia except we're all going to be in college and we're going to be magicians (laughs) learning magic and then some sort of evil thing's going to show up and and try to kill us because we're impinging on some greater desire of that (laughs) big evil thing and then i've i've written apparently a best-selling novel and netflix series now (laughs) (laughs) um yeah and uh uh, i mean again dungeon world kind of does the that that too as far as uh like they don't they don't world build necessarily but they have things like bonds where all the characters have to have some sort of bond with one another I feel like all of these things kind of have uh, one thing in common, which is character creation is a much shorter, quicker process okay. than D and D. Yeah, it's much like D and D's character creation process is very mechanics heavy and requires a good bit of work uh, in general. Like, you know, people can spend hours just creating a character, deciding what it is that they want to do, whereas with uh, dungeon world like you pick a you grab a sheet for your that class that you've chosen and that's like each class has different stuff on it okay each class sheet has different stuff on it and you grab and a couple feats or something more or less like you oh, okay. you select a few different things you go down a list of maybe like five or six options and you're done huh like you write down ability scores and that's about it that you're actually like so the numbers to they've consciously said the effort that you spend on character creation, you're just going to shift that effort over to world building for something like Dungeon World or Fate, because Fate's characters are relatively simple as well. Yeah, and so I guess in Dungeon World, it's more defined um, for you on the sheet, whereas in Fate, it's more open-ended, but still, like, as far as how long it takes is entirely... Dependent well, on how like deep into role playing and world building you get. Okay, but in general, like 
as far as mechanics go, it's just like, oh, I want to write this thing. Now I get a plus two to this. And that's pretty much all it is. It's like plus twos to everything. <laughs> and that's that's the extent of character creation and fate for I the most like part. I feel need, like we need, a, we need a demo of fate sometime. <laughs> Maybe. So that Robert can say something about fate. No, Robert. I don't, don't know anything. About, I know nothing about fate. Well, exactly. So we need a demo. It's okay if I don't talk. <laughs> no, it's not. If if I do that though, then we would have to world build because. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I, like that wouldn't really work. When I when I when I ran like one game, the last game that I ran. Uh. I had a basic idea of what I wanted to do, so I didn't let it get too off track from there, but they came up with like ev- all the other weird shit that made the <laughs> made it what it was. So, like all I said is that I wanted to play a game where they were all like Super Sentai like Power Ranger characters. Oh, okay. And from there they turned it into this weird world of corporate domination where power ranger type people suited up and fought each other in arenas and uh <laughs> it was televised and they all had like they were fast food themed and they all had different fast food powers there was a pizza person and a chicken person and a seafood person and a, is this like super sentai um running man i guess <laughs> <laughs> they fought a uh, girl scout cookie themed people and yeah it was fun it was silly it would have not d- done well for a long-running campaign but right it was right. good that for like, like a... the maybe like six seven sessions oh, or that so much? that i did that's quite a lot that's more than i would expect i would have I expected just kept... it to like fall apart fast <laughs> it the idea was i just kept escalating it so they started uh, yeah. really like street level and then just kept getting like just like bigger. wf well, yeah, except <laughs> except less sitcom drama and more like giant monsters, uh, like world ending aliens. Oh, uh, okay. At the end, so that makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, I feel like I've gotten way off topic. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we've been we've been talking about how players contribute to to stories, and yeah, D and it, it sounds like D and D is a little more. Um, there's there's an, a kind of an established expectation f- when you come to a D&D table that it's going to be in a fantasy world. It's going to have and the DM is going to probably be running uh, a relatively strict set of material that they're going to own, but these other systems have kind of opened the door for for everyone to expect maybe or to change people's expectations about that yeah it's i feel like it's the other systems make it a much more collaborative collaborative experience than what you normally think of when you play D. and if if your players are into that then great i don't know if robert is i mean i think I'm fine with i think <laughs> D&D, but that means work robert well as a player yeah no we're talking about the option of player collaboration exactly. and contribution, not the uh, demand or requirement yeah. of uh, no. player contribution. Player contribution, so, at least to the point where you know everything about your character, which I right. think is fine because there's not much more expected of that than uh, from you in D&D. But, but if, 
as a DM, I expected you to, like, well, in a game that I'm trying to run with you guys, well, we'll see. Uh, I want you guys to to know your, your parents, a little bit about, like, your, your growing up. Um, I'm effectively saying you here's here's some rails for your backstory. You, you're all from the same location. Um, you all have uh, some common bond that we've established already. But I'm what am I expecting of you? You want us to have an item? I want, yeah, that's, I guess that's it. I want you to have some sort of childhood item, yeah. and that's going to come into play. You had me name Somewhere. my elf dad. Right. So I, I, yeah, I've asked you to do something with your, your family. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but like, I'm still in control. Like <laughs> I, this is, this is, this is DM demanding content, not you guys coming to me and saying, Hey, I, I have content or well, I mid game being like, I think, what I think, if this was happening instead? I think like, I mean, again, the, the one thing about fate also that's different from D and D is is that like way more questions are asked and it's m- much more of like like a camera over the shoulders kind of thing than a first person kind of thing when you're playing it like right, in D okay. it's like I'm this character I'm doing all this stuff whereas with fate it's more like we're all directing the story where we've made these characters my like this character is doing this now and it's like a room full of writers and the the GM is just the director. And you can go even further than that and play games that some people might not even consider RPGs, but you're still making care like uh what was that game called that I played with uh Nick? Um wasn't Amber, was it? Gamma World? No. You have black and white dice. Oh. Uh and is it's basically like you're making a Wes Anderson film. That sounds familiar. Oh um, Fiasco? Fiasco. Fiasco. Yes, that's, that's what I was thinking of. So, uh, and in that, like, that's more of like, that's that is just collaborative storytelling at that point. Like, you you still make characters, yeah, but it's even less, even further from fate. Like, can can a player uh, change the? Can a player control somebody else's character? In that, uh, kind of, yeah. Okay, so that's 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 getting at least the way that we play that yeah (laughs) that's fine um yeah so what have what have we what have we learned learned today have we learned anything today um when you let players take over the world is chaos but sometimes it's fun chaos chaos yeah chaos but with 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 an h Now I'm completely distracted. <laughs> Why? And that's all I can think about now. Chaos. Chaos. The world um, is chaos, Robert. And I think it's just like anything else. The players that have fun, the DMs that have fun, and to facilitate that fun, do what feels right for the group and what people enjoy. Um, I wouldn't make it a requirement. I would encourage people to do it. But some people are going to contribute at different rates or have different comfort levels than other people are going to, and that's okay. And it doesn't have to be at the beginning like come to us with all of your contributions and your ideas. It can be inspiration might strike a player the same way it does a DM right in the middle of a game of your eighth session. And then, <laughs> you know, let, let them express that and 
worst case scenario, they say, hey, I want to do this. And you're like, well, let's make some modifications. Or, you know, that's kind of... They, they, the worst case really, scenario is you get in a horrible fight at the table. <laughs> well, and, I suppose, yes. <laughs> and maybe this isn't true, but I at least feel like the more opportunities you give players to do that, and even if you have to, like, force them to do it, then the more enjoyable it will be for them. The more... Um, because the more involved they are. Yeah. Which means the more engaged they are, the more yeah. they care about their character. And the world. And the world. At that point. Yeah. Exactly. Which is ultimately what I'm trying to do by getting you guys... By doing like that session zero that we did like two weeks ago. So. I'm not sure it's working because I don't... <laughs> I don't Because we haven't started playing. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that's the problem is that... Well, plus, I mean, so uh, I, f- I feel like... And I haven't given you guys a lot to bounce off of either. Have I? I don't know. No, I mean, yeah. Uh, I, like you said, we haven't really started playing. There was a whole lot up in the air. And then and then you told us uh, that we all were going to be part of the guard or whatever. Yeah. I said, here's some rails. Yeah. Which be, is fine. Be happy with these rails. Which is fine. <laughs> I I feel like it would have been great to have started out with that information yeah. before we started like rambling off on other things and talking about our characters and stuff. But I the, need to get, I need to get better about being like, where are the actual rails? Not being like, oh wait, that's right. By the way, there are fences right where you just walked past. <laughs> <laughs> well, just think uh, if you're been like a, a four or five lane highway, all of a sudden becomes a two lane highway. Yeah, like the the more the more notice you have, the better. <laughs> um, I just forgot, guys. No, <laughs> no it's, fine. it's fine. Not something like that specifically. I'm saying for people doing this, like, yeah, if you've got something in mind, you want to give as much context as possible, so they can operate within that context. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you can't blame them if what they come up with doesn't really isn't in line with what you were thinking, right? They didn't know. Right. Okay. I think we're done. Or I'm going to call it. Call it. Cheers. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Next time, we discuss how to introduce new players to the game of D&D and what you can do as a DM to make sure that they come back for more. As always, if you have comments or suggestions, reach out to us on Twitter at Dungeon underscore Tangent or go to our website, DungeonsAndTangents.net. That's all for this episode. Thanks for joining us.